Good morning. I don't know what they were thinking, sending up an accountant to follow that. <laughs> but we'll do our best. Uh, so good morning, I'm Dan Waniger. I'm one of the elders here at SEC. Um, and you know, one thing I, I said this morning is whenever they, I got approached about becoming an elder, I, I got in my mind like, oh gosh, I gotta be perfect now. And I did really good for about 12 seconds. Um, but I, I hope that's one of the takeaways as I share my story today, to just recognize that we're all sinners, we're all in need of a savior, uh, from the elder team to the pastoral team to all of us in this room. So it just helps us solidify our dependency on Jesus and our need for Jesus. So I know many of you don't know me well. I am a transplant to Shelby County. Uh, I grew that, I've come to know that Shelby County is very similar to where I grew up in Southern Indiana. Uh, one of those towns and counties where everyone knows everyone and um, I always get on my in-laws about, you know, they'll start talking about someone. They're like, well, you know, they lived on that street with her cousin, and then she married this person who worked there, 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 and they're like, yeah, 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 I got it, I got it. So it's always good to feel at home in a, in a rural setting where everyone knows everyone. Just to give you some background on myself, I grew up in Christney, Indiana. It's a small town near Santa Claus, so I always just tell everyone, I went to the same high school as all the kids from Santa Claus, so kind of in that general area. Um, so... If you know Southern Indiana well, uh, you, you come to know that Southern Indiana is a very Catholic part of our state. Uh, we got big families, we got to Snistelbank, and we got to Strassenfest. And so that's part of where my story begins. Both my parents grew up in Catholic families, both grew up on farms. Um, and so when I was born, I, I did go through infant baptism um, at the Catholic Church. And uh, one of the good stories I like to tell about that, it was me and another infant who shared the same name as my mom. They were both Mary Waniger, and Mary and I went to school together, and we would, we would always tell everyone we were twins, born seven days apart. And the number of people we could get to believe that story always um, was fun for us. Uh, but shortly thereafter, my mom left the Catholic Church, and that's really where my legacy of faith started as Brad was preaching about that a couple of weeks ago. You know, my legacy of faith starts with my mom. My mom was really the spiritual leader of, the, of our house and for my three brothers, my sister and myself. So then growing up, we did move around churches a bit. Um, we would go to a Baptist church, then we would go to a Christian church, and then another Baptist church. And this was really just born out of my mom coming out of the Catholic church and really just being passionate about true doctrine and true scripture. So anytime um, she got a sniff of something that was a little bit off um, from script scripturally sound, and uh, we, we would kind of move to another church. But um, each of those churches just had a profound impact on me and my life, and it just built a solid foundation of understanding of the scriptures and of Jesus and who Jesus is and who Jesus was. And then I remember when I was around 10 years old, we were at New Hope Baptist Church in Gentryville, Indiana. And I recall that's when I gave my life to Jesus and started following Jesus. Um, and it just thank God for the solid foundation I had going at that time in my life. Um, but then, but then I became a teenager. Um, so, and that's really where my story begins and what I want to share with you today. Um, so at this point, you know, I'm, I'm 16 years old, and at, at this stage of my life, I kind of have, I call them two epicenters that really shape who I am today. And so I'll kind of walk through each of those separately and then kind of bring it back together at the end. So the first epicenter is the story of me and my relationship with alcohol. So I recall, I recall getting drunk for the first time on January 1st, 2000. And if we all recall, we thought the world was going to end December 31st, 1999. 
So I didn't want to get drunk that night because I was like, I don't want to get drunk the day that the world ends. That would just <laughs> not go well for me. Uh, so I waited until January 1st, and that was, that was the first time I drank. Um, and then, you know, a lot of kids wait until they get to college uh, to start drinking or start exploring with alcohol. Well, I really started that in earnest at 16 years old, and I kind of I continued that um, lifestyle through high school. So then after high school, I, I went to Manchester College, and, and I played soccer at Manchester. And, you know, when I was in high school, I knew I wasn't living as I should be. And, you know, you kind of look for those points in your life so that can be a reset. You're like, okay, I'm going to graduate high school. I'll go to college. That'll be my reset, and then I'll be able to kind of get back on the path that I know I should be on. Well, you know, I went to Manchester. None of my friends went with me. I kind of went by myself, um, and I played soccer, as I said. And, you know, I was really hopeful, you know, get to meet some soccer guys, maybe some Christians, and I can have that solid reset I was hoping for. Well, unfortunately, that did not happen for me. As I got to college, you know, I, I met some great friends, uh, but I quickly learned that my friend, those friends were pretty similar to my friends in high school. I was even able to kind of match them up. You know, my friend Zach from college is like my friend Andy from high school. My friend Noah from college is like my friend Tim from high school. And it's not to say that these weren't great friends. They're still friends to this day. I know a couple of them are listening this morning. And we still hang out and we're still together. Uh, but then, you know, coming into my sophomore year, I was, I was continuing to drink a lot. But, you know, I was getting good grades. I was, I was doing well in school. I was getting better grades in college than I had in high school. So things were going generally well for me, and I felt good. Um, but, you know, what, what I, call this, I call this a stage of willing disobedience in my life where I knew whose I was, and I knew the Lord, uh, but I wasn't walking with the Lord. And it, was as, it was as if I had put the Lord in this little box, and I said, you know, Jesus, I, I, I know I'm yours. I know I want a, a relationship with you, but, you know, uh, just give me these years, and then, you know, I'll graduate college, and I'll reset again. And so that, at that point, that was my strategy. It's like, if I just stay close enough to the path, then whenever I get a chance to reset, I'm going to. Uh, but thankfully, you know, Jesus had other ideas for me, and he just kept pushing on me, pushing on me, pushing on my heart. And, you know, I was still practicing my spiritual disciplines all through this stage of life. I was reading my Bible almost every night. I was going to church. Um, and it just got to the point where I couldn't keep Jesus in this box anymore. And so I recall, you know, one night my sophomore year, um, there was a part, I lived in the soccer house. We lived off campus. It, it, party going on at the house, but I was in my room by myself, and I, I recommitted my life to Jesus that night, and really, that's just being a changing point in my life. You know, I called my mom um, thereafter and said, Mom, I, I want to stop, I'm going to stop drinking for one calendar year, and if I do that, will you buy me, and I asked her to buy me a pair of shoes and a CD. I said, I need a little bit of motivation, and looking back, I was like, I could have probably asked for a lot more if she would have been willing to do that. We didn't really have iPads and things to ask for. I probably could ask for a laptop or something. But uh, So then, you know, that kind of closes the one epicenter of my life, and now I'm going to kind of jump into the second. You know, there's a country song by Riley Green called There Was This Girl. And so for me, there was this girl. Now, during my junior year in high school, and in fact, it was the night after I took a different girl to my junior prom, I started dating this girl. So I was a junior, she was a freshman in high school, and so if you start doing math, that meant I got to go to four proms. I got to go to my junior prom, my senior prom, her junior prom, and her senior prom. Um, so that was, that was great. <laughs> but if you recall where I started the message, you know, where I grew up, um, grew up in southern Indiana, so 
she was Catholic, um, but you know, based upon where I was in my life when we started dating, that wasn't really a big deal to me. But then if you fast forward um, through the first epicenter of my life and my recommitment to Jesus, and you know, once, once that happened, things start to get a little bit more difficult for us. <laughs> and so um, it was particularly a challenge for her because um, she, was, she was also from a large family. She had five sisters. Um, so all of her sisters, her mom, were Catholic, but her dad wasn't. So it kind of created this dynamic. She's like, well, we can make this work like my parents made it work. And so that was hard. And then so you end up in this situation where you're really thinking like, geez, Jesus, what do I do? Like, we care for each other deeply. You know, we love each other, uh, but we don't share a similar faith. And, and I knew that there was no circumstances where I wanted to raise my kids Catholic, and she had also come to the conclusion there's no way she wanted to raise her kids not Catholic. So it's kind of like, well, do we get married and then just kind of figure it out? Do we hope that the Lord does something? Uh, but similar to that first box I tried to put Jesus in with my drinking, you know, he was just there and pressing on me and pressing on our hearts and so eventually, you know, we did, we did go our separate ways, um, and that was kind of unfolding right when I graduated college and starting to start my career. Um, so, you know, I started my career um, here in Indianapolis, and I started that into a, a stage of singleness in my life, and if you've ever gone through a hard stage of singleness, you know, that's difficult, that's tough. You're kind of by yourself, and you're trying to figure things out. Um, but, you know, looking back, it was one of the most blessed years of my life. I was attending a great church, Plainfield Christian Church. I was going on the missions trips, small groups. I was doing everything, um, just being in the Word, spending time in the Word. And it's just a, such a stage of life where I had the most spiritual growth in those years than, than I had ever had in my life. Um, so it, it was just um, a blessed time for me. And so then it kind of, you transition, you know, like, what does my life look like now after Jesus? What, what does life in Jesus mean for me? And so for me, it's life in Jesus is fullness of life, it's peace, it's contentment, it's joy, and it's confidence. You know, as I stand here today, I'm more confident that the moment I die, I'm going to be in the presence of our Heavenly Savior than I am that I'm going to make it home safe today. And having that type of confidence means everything. It allows me not to get... Uh, troubled with the troubles of the world when I, when I don't get a promotion I think I should get when life's hardships come, just to know that, you know, this really doesn't matter. It's just a, it's just a breath. It's just a vapor of air in the scheme of life. So then you think, you know, if you don't have that confidence, what do you do? And so when we were sitting here a year ago, our son Micah got baptized. And before Micah got baptized, I, I had explained to you, like, I'm going to want to sit down with you and we're going to talk through this so that I want to make sure you understand this. So we're actually going to pull up a diagram. And so this is the handwritten diagram that I, that I walked through with my son Micah. And so I'm going to walk through that for a little bit. And so um, I explained to Micah, you know, you're born, and when you're born, you're born into the flesh. Everyone is born into the flesh, you're born into sin. That's not a decision we get to make. And you can stay there your whole life. You can stay in the flesh your whole life, and then eventually you're going to get to a point where you die. And if you die in the flesh, that means you're going to go to hell. And in hell, that is where Satan lives. That's where Satan is king. That's where the scriptures teach us weeping and gnashing of teeth, and then there's eternal torture. But I said, Micah, but you can make the decision to accept Jesus. And if you accept Jesus, that means you're living in the spirit. And if you live in the spirit, whenever you die, that means you're going to go to heaven. And when you go to heaven, that's where Jesus lives. Jesus is king. There's eternal joy. And sin does not exist. 
And then I walk through the diagram that we have at the bottom of here. Yep. Um, so kind of the classic, um, a lot of us saw this in Sunday school and growing up, you know, there's a gap where, where between sin and God, and there's no way we can get to God with our sin. There's only one way to get across that gap, and that's through Jesus and the price that Jesus paid on the cross for us. And so then I've always been a big Romans Road guy, so I had Romans Road on the, di- on the diagram, and, I, and I'll walk through that uh, with us quickly this morning. I just think it's the best synopsis of what are the verses that are going to show me this step by step. The Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we've set the baseline. You know, we're all on level ground. We're all sinners. And there's no little sin and big sin. We're all sinners and we're all in sin. In 5.8, But God demonstrates his own love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And it's important to note that it says when, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for us to get our lives together to die for us. He didn't die for us because of our goodness. He died for us while we were yet sinners. And then Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And again, the free gift of God, not the earned gift of God. I can't get this by works. I can't get this by goodness. I can only get this as a free gift of God. And then 10, uh, chapter 10, verses 9 through 10, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It says you will be saved. And that's so you might be saved if you're good enough. It might be saved if you live up to the standards that we have for Christians. It says you will be saved. And then to close it out with Romans 10, 13, for whoever will call in the name of the Lord will be saved. So then, um, as I will explain to Mike, you know, whenever you pray that sinner's prayer, we have this holy trinity with Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and God. And I didn't know how to do it well, so I just kind of have two lines. I'm like, when you ask Jesus to come into your heart, that's when you get to come into communion with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, so then if we go back to the big diagram. And so when, I, uh, when we got done with this and had wrapped up, I, I took the time to, to write down Micah 9, 12, 21 at the top of that. Um, because that was a date that I walked through this with Micah, and that's when Micah accepted the Lord. And so what I would ask everyone is, you know, anyone who's walking with the Lord, you, you know what your date is, or you have a general idea of when your date is? Um, because when we get to the end, uh, we're either all going to have a date or we're not going to have a date. So I would ask, um, if you sit here and think, and you're thinking, you know what, I'm not sure I have a date. I don't know what my date is. I'm not sure I've ever had a date. You know, would challenge you that, you know, maybe today could be that date. Um, and so how do, how do we do that? How do I do that? How do I make today my date? Um, you know, it's very simple. We're going to walk through the sinner's prayer. We confess our sins. We acknowledge our sin, um, just as Romans Road teaches us. We ask Jesus to come into our hearts and to live in our hearts. And we confess Jesus as our Lord. We confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. And then we ask the Holy Spirit to come into our hearts. It's that easy. Um, so as we close out this morning, I'm going to walk through this prayer and would say, if you have a date and you know what your date is, take the time to thank Jesus for your date. Thank Jesus for who he is in your life and what he means to you. And if you haven't prayed that prayer and you want to pray that this morning, I just ask that you would pray this with me and, and we'll walk through this. And then uh, once we get to the end, if, if you prayed this prayer for the first time, you know, fill out one of these connection cards, come meet with someone on stage or, or at the table at the back, just so we can come alongside you. 
um, to help you start your journey. So pray with me. Lord, we just thank you. We just thank you for this day. We thank you for your love. We thank you for this morning. We thank you for the changed lives that we got to witness this morning in both services, Lord. Just amazing to see you do a good work, and we thank you for that. And Lord, for those of us that don't know you as our Lord and Savior, we just want to take the time first to confess that we can't do this on our own, Lord. We've tried to be good, we've tried to live up to a standard, and we failed, and we know that we can't do this on our own. We know that we're sinners, we acknowledge our sin before you, and we lay, your, lay our sins at your feet, Jesus. And Jesus, we just ask you, and we just can ask you to come into our hearts. We don't want to try to do this on our own anymore. We want to live life with you. We want to know what life is with you. We're tired of trying to do this on our own, Lord, and are trying to overcome our sin on our own. And we know that we need you and that we need a Savior. And we ask you to come into our heart, Lord. And we confess, Lord, that you are Lord. We believe that you died, that you were buried, and that you rose again on the third day. We believe that you are seated at the right hand of God, preparing a place for the saints. We believe that the only way to heaven is through salvation in you, and that it's a free gift that you give. That can't be earned by our good works, but can only be earned by faith in you. And with our confession of faith and our acknowledgement of our sin, we just ask that you would send the Holy Spirit to live into our hearts so that we can have newness of life in you and that we can live in the Spirit and leave the flesh acknowledging you as our Lord and Savior. And we pray these things in your great and glorious name. Amen. All right, so if you prayed that prayer again, you know, leave a con fill out one of those connection cards or um, come meet with anyone on stage. <laughs>